0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with the bye-bye Wink episode. That's right. New York Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale is gone. Officially, it's a mutual parting of ways. He gets to leave, go anywhere he wants without restrictions. The Giants, meanwhile, get off on the $3 million he was owed for next season. But that's simplifying the whole situation. Did not go down that easily. So we'll lay out the timeline here. Then we'll get into some of the details in the back and forth on uh, what really happened with Talking Giants' Bobby Skinner. Get to that in a few minutes. But first, let's go over the timeline. The Giants win on Sunday. Perhaps their best game of the season. Easily their best game of the season. Defensively, they shut out the Eagles' until late in the third quarter. Offensively, their best performance of the season, except for maybe the second half in Arizona, which, by the way, that seems like decades ago at this point. Decades ago. That that's, was like another season with another team, with Daniel Jones. So anyway, the Giants win. They finish the season 6-11. We know Wink Martindale's unhappy. Been saying that for weeks. He doesn't get along well with Brian Dayball. He wants out. The Giants know this. So that takes us to Monday morning. Monday morning, the Giants have an eight thirty a.m. press conference, which for them raises a little your, your eyebrows a little bit. Eight thirty a.m. They usually don't do stuff that early for press conferences and stuff. So I'm, um, I even asked about it. Like, why are we doing this stuff? Why are we doing this early? You know, I live an hour away, so obviously I got to leave in the six a.m. hour. It's pretty early. So I'm curious. Maybe it's because oh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable have to do exit interviews. Maybe it's because Joe Shane is going to go to the national championship game l- later in the afternoon. Turns out to be neither of those. Turns out that. The Giants fire Thomas the special teams coach. Their units weren't good. Knew that, kind of knew that was coming in. It was just, it deserved, didn't expect it in a way. They fire Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, close to Dable, but the offensive line speaks for itself. Needed to happen, okay? But that's it. Those are the only other personnel moves as of Monday morning in the press conference. So Brian Dable and Joe Shane get up to the podium and they say, Our expectation, keyword, expectation, is that Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka put them together, grouped them together. Makes you think, hey, things might not be so rosy and peachy. Remember I told you that last week with Mike Kafka as well. Our expectation is that they stay. Hey, by the way, my first question. Hey, by the way, did you, uh, have you spoken to Wink and Kafka about this? No, 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 no. We haven't spoken to them about it yet. Oh, so your expectation is they, they stay, but do they want to stay? That's the question. Now, clearly, the answer with Wink Martindale is no. The Giants know this, right? They, they know kind of what's going on behind the scenes. They view it as uh, what they've seen as insubordination, which is fine. And if you, somebody's insubordinate and you're the head coach, you're the GM, you're in charge, it's within your right. You could get rid of them. So their way to go about this is, hey, we don't want to necessarily fire him. Then Wink has all the cards in his hands. So he could do whatever he wants. He gets paid if he wants. And he goes somewhere else. They could, he could actually get paid like $50,000. And make us they, and the three million he's owed. The rest of it, the two and a half million, we'd have to pay. Which, by the way, like you know, when Joe Judge, that's what's going on with Joe Judge now, right? Joe Judge was in New England, still wherever Joe Judge goes next year too, the Giants still have to pay him his salary and whatever team he goes to, they don't really have to pay him a real salary. They pay him a, a you know the minimum that they're allowed essentially, or a small salary, and the Giants are forced to still pay the remainder. So the Giants get proactive. They say. All right, here's what we're going to do. After this press conference, when we say we expect Wink to be back and Mike Kafka, they go and fire Wink's two right-hand men. Talking about Drew Wilkins, the outside linebacker's coach's brother, Kevin, who's the inside linebacker's coach. It's actually, his title is defensive assistant, right? Shrapnel and all this, that's what they are, okay? The Giants have their concerns about Drew Wilkins and Wink. Think they're kind of doing their own thing. Fine. Dable, also, from what I heard, super paranoid about, you know, the, the story that came out from Jay Glazer. You know, pointing out people who he thinks are the links. You know, has his eyes on the Wilkins brothers. There you go. Now, Week Martindale obviously does not take this well. Storms in. Curses out Dable. Leaves. I've heard that part. I can confirm that part. Yeah, it didn't go well. There you go. All right? So, he's pissed, right? He wanted out in the first place. And now he just fired his two right-hand guys. You know, his two closest confidants, his right-hand man is Drew Wilkins, so maybe, you know, his, his two closest confidants. And you kind of see where this is headed. Giants are trying to push him out the door. Wink disappears. Turn, you know says, I'm gonna, just going to go home, relax, take a few minutes, think about everything. Giants, in the meantime, unloaded the clip. So a New York Post story that came out. We all know what that was. Okay, they kind of, you know, kicked Wink out the door, basically. We know it's ending at that point. It was over anyway the second they fired Kevin and Drew Wilkins. You know, publicly they're saying the right things. Yeah, we still want him back. They say Tuesday morning. Okay, come on. We all know that's not true. They have to say it though. Don't, don't begrudge them. They have to say it, right? Because they want to make it look like they want you know that they didn't fire him. They want Ring to resign, which is kind of what came out after the whole you know storming in and hearing about Kevin and Drew Wilkins. So there we stand. They're in a standoff. Somebody had told me this. Said you know. Look, John Mara's not going to want all these negative headlines. There's no way he's going to let them drag this out and fight Wink Martindale. Uh, you you want to see? Could, could you imagine John Mayer's results if Wink went nuke on the organization and they held him hostage and wouldn't let him out? So eventually, Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, we get the news that Wink Martindale and the Giants have mutually parted ways. Giants don't have to pay him the final year in his contract, $3 million. The wink gets uh, free to go anywhere. No restrictions. So that's perfect. I mean, that's what wink Martin didn't want it anyway, right? Because he's going to get paid from a new team anyway. Trust me, he's got to have another team quickly, right? Remember, just think I, I was over at the Rams after the Rams, because our Rams reporter did, wasn't at the game. So I had to go to the Rams pe- press conference and locker room after the game. And I heard. Shaw, uh, Sean McVay talk about the Giants that game. He might have said Wink Martindale's name and raved about him in the post-game press conference five times. And I'm thinking to myself, man he is really complimentary of Wink Martindale here. Make me scratch my head a little bit. Okay, Raheem Morris, his defensive coordinator is up for head coaching jobs. You see that right now. Sean McVay obviously knew that Raheem Morris probably was going to get some looks for defensive coordinator jobs and was sort of greasing the skids for the possibility that Wink was going to shake free. So these are the kind of things that were going on behind the scenes, obviously, in the background. And then you hear the Eagles rave about Wink Martindale. The the, they played him two in the last three weeks as well. That's the team that could be looking for a defensive coordinator. The Jacksonville Jaguars makes a lot of sense. Wink would like to be in Florida, I'm sure. He has a home down there. I know it's not Jacksonville, but it's closer to his home for sure. The Eagles are close to his family. The grandkids are in Baltimore area. So... He's going to have options. He's going to have a job. He'll recoup that money. Not a big deal. So he doesn't care about the money part of it, right? Yeah, it would be beneficial if they fired him, but he's going to recoup most, if not all, that money. So that's not a big deal. He gets to go. The Giants, meanwhile, they save face a little bit because they buried him on the way out the door, which, by the way, has become a very giant way a little bit over the past decade, at least since I've been here. You've seen it with pretty much everyone goes out the door. You've seen it with, uh, almost every coach. Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge. It happened to Mark Ross. It happened even to Justin Pugh. And I've talked to, Just, Ju- talked to Justin Pugh about that. They basically called him soft going out the door. You know, all, all the uh, arms of people close to the organization when they leave, all of a sudden they get this information and they, they sort of crap on guys out the door, which to me, this leaves a bad taste in my mouth, which is why I always seem to be defending these guys and I'll probably defend the Giants here and Wink Martindale for, for that reason because I, I hate when that happens and guys get crapped out on at the door. And probably when the time comes, I'll probably be defending Brian Dable on the flip side when they, you know the, the, all the dirt starts to come about him after he's gone or right after he's gone and everybody turns on him. Because that's, that's essentially what happens. It's kind of like the circle of life covering the Giants. And uh, with Wink Martindale here, Kind of happened to him out there. Now maybe he deserves some of it. Maybe he was insubordinate, and, and that's well within Brian Dable's rights to get rid of him as the coach, as his assistant coach. Absolutely, absolutely. At the same time, and this is the biggest thing: the Giants are in a worse place because for all this, because they're in year three of this regime, and now, and, the, and by the way, they built their personnel defensively for this scheme. You know, they've spent two years building up. And I know you could look at the numbers and say yeah, they were 27. They weren't that great anyway. If you watched with your eyes and we take away everything, take away names, the Giants' defense was their best unit. It wasn't even close. They had six games where they allowed 20 or less points. By the way, the Cleveland Browns, who have the best defense in the league, you know how many games they had allowing 20 or less points? Six. The same as the Giants, who went 6-11, and 11, all right? So their defense was, was much better than the numbers indicated. It wasn't great. When things went bad, they went bad. When they were good, they were good. But this wasn't a bad unit. It was a unit that was moving in the right direction. So to have to move on now and have a new coordinator where we don't know what the scheme is going to be, we don't know if it can even be similar to the scheme that Wink Martindale ran, it's like starting over on the defensive side is not ideal for the New York Giants. This is not good for anybody. It would have been good for the Giants to have made this work. And to me... That sits on the head coach. The head coach's job is to make these things work, to iron these things out before they get to a point where they're at the point of no return, which is what happened when the report from Jay Glazer came out. That was the point of no return. This needed to be handled. This needed to be addressed well before that, and that's on Brian Dable. And the fact that if it was just one rogue guy, I get it. But there's other people in that coaching staff who are also unhappy, right? We've heard about Mike Kafka not being thrilled with everything that's going on there. I've spoken to other coaches who don't love the way that Brian Dable goes about his business. So this is a concern for the Giants and the organization moving forward. And Brian Dable has to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, how do I make this better? Because you can't have that throughout your staff. He does a great job of keeping the players happy, right? But at the same time, you have to keep your staff happy as well. And doesn't appear – actually, he didn't do a good job of that early in his career. He did not do a good job of that because there's a handful of guys, at least, that I know of that weren't especially happy with him. It's one thing to yell at guys. It's one thing to scream at guys. It's not just that. It's not just that he's emotional. It's not just that he's the boss and he's yelling at guys, right? There's more to it than that. It's is he genuine, right? You know some of the things he does. It seems to have an agenda. The, at least this is this is these are the things that his coaching staff is thinking about, him, right? The personality is just one part of it. Like you can't. Okay, I get it. You want to cater to the players. You want to keep your players happy. You can't if you're after everything that went down with Xavier McKinney, then. And, and, and all this stuff is going on, by the way, behind the scenes with Wink Martindale. You can't then go and let Xavier McKinney break down the team after a win. It's a shot at your own coaching staff. It's not a good look for a coach. The other coaches are all sitting there looking at it like, yeah, that was, you know, I don't know about that. That's, that's not, that doesn't portray leadership to everybody in the room. That portrays pettiness, right? You pick the guy who was feuding with your other coach. Then you non genuinely gave Wink Martindale the game ball when everything behind the scenes was not good. And all the coaches know it's not good. Yeah, it's like a good fu to Wink. I get it. But you have to be worried about more than just that relationship with Wink. You have to worry about the perception of everybody, all the coaches, everybody on your staff. And those were not good looks inside the building. And he's the head coach, and I still actually think he's actually a pretty good offensive coach. A pretty good, he could be a pretty good coach. But there's clearly some things that need to be fixed and he needs to do differently. Now let's get to the details on, more of the details on what went down with Wink. On to the next one.
2: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: All right, let's bring on Bobby Skinner. You know him from Talking Giants. He's been out there this week very vocal in the uh, blame wink crowd, Bobby. It's it's almost uh, as if you feel I, I get the feeling that your feelings are are hurt by everything that went down here. So take me through your thought process and why you have such a problem with the way everything went down.
3: Well now that Wink is officially gone my focus now goes to like okay how did this start right and what are, what are Brian Dable's issues that led to this even if you think Wink shouldn't have reacted the way like you know there's there's got to be something there that led to this right it wasn't just differences of agreements on you know which coverages that they're using but basically I think Wink Martin down it's everything has pointed to this has spent you know the better part of half the season Doing a like kind of fire me tour, whether it's putting out the Jay Glazer report um, and just, you know, doing everything he can to not deny any issue there when Dable, you know, tried to do the the pizza thing and trying to get through the season. And then I don't know how much we can read into this because of the the change up on the Cowboys story. But Paul Schwartz story basically saying that Dable (laughs) went into a defensive meeting room and said, hey, like, does anybody have an issue with me? Like let's let's talk about it and tried to meet with Martindale a couple times privately and Martindale didn't have any explanation, is that I feel like Wink kind of did this eight-week, like, hey, you're going to have to fire me toward, you know, did his little 24 Jack Bauer thing on his play sheet and the Giants kind of, like, put, you know, played, played them back by doing the we expect Wink to be back and then firing Wilkins later. So basically, I, it's, I don't think Wink made any effort to fix this even if it was, even if they knew they weren't going to be at the part at the end of the season, but to try and get through the that's season, the that's right. Could... So w- let's say he didn't want to fix it, though, Bobby. Obviously, that's the thing he didn't want to fix it, and that's it what bothers me about Wink you... then. Why? Because you had to work, because you, you had to work together for at least, at the bare minimum, another half a year.
1: They did. It. First of all, we could say whatever we want, and I agree. You know that it could have been handled differently. Their big egos involved. The bottom line is, they actually did pretty well at the end of the year. Like it didn't affect them during the year you talk to the players they were basically shielded from the whole thing as much as you probably can be and it didn't affect them on the field they probably they forget probably they had their best game of the year in week 18 so yeah what's it's, what's the well, it's, it's, even what if he even did? if
3: the well even if the players didn't you know that bleeds into you know Jerome Henderson and Andre Patterson who aren't wink guys um and you know obviously probably not as much on the offensive side but You know, and and when the when the story went out to Glazer, right? Like people, everyone takes that serious, right? We like when Jay Glazer reports about
1: the Glazer thing. A lot of times, I don't think people really understand this. The way it could have went down, I have no idea how it really went down, right? But Jay Glazer has a lot of reporters do eyes and ears all over the place, right? Somebody clearly could in the building could have said to him, "Yo, they're really this is it's getting bad. They they hate each other, right?" And then. I'm, look, I have no idea if this is the way it went down, but I bet on the fact that Jay Glazer probably called Wink and, and he probably called Dable and they both knew about it beforehand and they both got their opportunity to say to their party says, Hey, I'm going to go on a year with this. You know, give me your side of the story. So I, I don't understand why it's being looked at as like Wink. First of all, you're, you're saying Wink definitely leaked it, which I, I don't know to be true. But I mean, oh. I think everyone has
3: put two and two together that 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 came from a Wink's source. What if somebody
1: just told Jay Glazer, "Hey, uh, they're really it's really getting really bad here between these two. and then he calls up Wink and says, "Yo, w- what's going on?" But all of Wink's and actions then he calls post, Dable and says, "Hey, what's going on?" But all all of Wink's actions post that
3: report were, you know, basically like confirming that yeah, it was true without without blatantly saying and it's Dable's, true. Doing and the
1: tables is. Being, you know, basically lying about it and pretending like it's not there, when the reality is that that's kind of kind of why he rubs people the wrong way a lot of time. He's not genuine, right? And then he goes. Well, not to him, you guys, obviously. Goes, no, not, not to everybody else either. That's the thing. It's not us. Forget us. Forget the media. That is. But when thing. you say "lied to," who is he lying to?
3: The public, the fans. Right. Which, again, like as much as sometimes we want to hear that stuff, that. I mean that's that's what a lot of head coaches do. Not everyone's going to be Joe Judge. Even Joe Judge didn't tell the truth all the time. But Joe Judge is really the only head coach I can remember who was really fully honest for the Giants, or at least was giving well, like full answers. But
1: uh, my point is, you're criticizing Wink here for not lying. And, right? He didn't say he hated Dayball, but he didn't he didn't say he liked him either. And that, you're criticizing him for not lying and say everything was fine and he liked them, which to me is which is all aw- it's kind of awkward.
3: Right, but I mean, then you do like the twenty. I, I know it sounds silly, but like the twenty-four Jack Bauer thing, and and basically, you know, like they letting that know, right? And and do you, so? Do you where do you think the Jay Glazer report came from? If you if I had to ask you, like, then you had to give me an answer. Where do you think it came from?
1: You, I have no idea. Sometimes these things come from the weirdest people. Could have come from the equipment room. Could have come from the medical room. Could have come from someone. But the not with a
3: Jay area. Glazer report, though.
1: No, I'm saying the original tip could have been like anybody, and then yeah, he calls. I'm sure he talked to Wink I'm sure he talked to Dable both of them. But so let like, me ask you cuz they got there I'm telling you and Dable probably said, "Yeah, you know, I'm not yeah, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad it. I'm we're fine, we're good, we're, we're you know blah blah blah." And, so and- I I want to I want to like get
3: information out of you and that I know you are having me on your show but <laughs> the the two things that I would like to ask are do you, do you think that Wink and Drew Wilkins Maybe not. Maybe Drew Wilkins is not leading the way on this, but Wink Martindale had a kind of like, "Hey, this is this is my room. I'm not listening to what you're saying." You like kind of like, "Hey, like kind of had a you're not you're not in charge of me" type of attitude towards Brian Dable in the second half of the year.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a he said, she said. It's like one side says, "Hey, he's just like they're ignoring Brian Dable," and the other side is they're saying, "Uh, you know, Brian Dable is super self conscious and he's worried about everybody else and." And in every everyone else in the room, and then the and the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? And Dable and should two, be kind of and there's and there's two big egos, and they're super paranoid. Uh, you know that this person is going to get the credit or this person is going to get the blame, and they're both basically you know pointing finger at the
3: other person, right? And I don't I don't want my head coach to be the micromanager that Joe Judge was of every single room, but even though Dable's the offensive coach, he should have like some at least knowing what's you know they all watch film together on, after the games and stuff but like you know be involved in those other meeting rooms with not without having to lead you know the the you know
1: the film studies yeah well, i'm and, sure i'm sure he's part of it but the problem is and i think from talking to people this is the impression again and this is my whole thing with about it and look i'm not absolving week at all by the way uh, of blame for the, the whole way this all went down you know i think he's basically just as culpable almost as as Dable. But at the same time, is it's not just Wink who's unhappy with him, right? So that's the problem to me is we have to sit here, and especially because we're moving forward. Like there Brian Dable needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror. He he is like if all three coordinators really kind of wanted to leave in the same offseason, like obviously the approach that he's taking is not is not right. right? Okay. So my my
3: next question for you is a two-parter, is what is leading? To this, right? What what led to this? Because at the end, of the, like, was it mfing coaches and stuff, which a couple of people have like when I ask have said without a hundred percent saying that's the main reason. And is it anywhere near as bad with Kafka that it was to Wink Martindale?
1: I think with Kafka, it's probably majority that they both kind of suffocating on the offensive side and he came here to run the offense and call plays and Dable got heavily involved earlier this year, right? Took over meetings. And so Kafka's like, shoot, I'm I'm just, you know, uh, kind of guesstimating here. He's probably sitting there in his own head saying, Hey, I was in Kansas city. I should be doing this in Kansas city and being, you know, have Andy Reid basically above me and be coaching Patrick Mahomes. Right. If, if, if this was the setup that I thought I was getting and then I don't know. There's things that he does. Joe, uh, I called him, I was him Joe judge, Brian Dable, which I think comes off as non-authentic, right. And fake to these other guys, right. That it seems like he's looking out for himself, like going behind winks back and, you know, letting Xavier McKinney right after they had that feud, letting McKinney go and, you know, address the team after they finally won a game and break them down. Right. That's like a little dig at your own assistant coaches. And if that just doesn't go over well between coaches. Well, can I say this? You know, with and then the, he they, gives the game ball to Wink knowing, I mean, think about the Giants version, which we all know that was the Paul Schwartz story that came out, right? The Giants version that came out. There's all this drama that's going on behind the scenes. And then he goes and gives Wink a game ball in the middle of this. Think about how inauthentic that is and how like insulting that is, right? And how much of a shot that is at at the other coach. And I think, But here's why I look. Look, I'm not talking about the wink part of it. The other coaches see all this also, and they're like, "Man, this isn't this isn't what where you expect from your game, your your head coach." Okay, but here that's another context clue of like,
3: wink being the glazer roar is like they will give like even if it's a as a fu giving them the game ball. Here's the other thing that really bothered me about But as a head
1: coach. Don't you? Isn't your job to sort of make sure it doesn't spread and become worse, and to iron it out? and to make it work didn't he didn't he at least make an effort to like address it that's that's the one part first of all you like you said there's certain parts you don't you don't really know anymore that's the one part i heard a different side of the story on that where that there was never really a sit-down meeting where they ironed out all their differences and it was like there was never really just you know it was more like dable was out there in the background trying to figure out all right who leaked it you know basically it wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, let's iron out our differences. Like to me, it's like, it, it's like non-human and a lot of football guys do this. Trust me. I mean, it's been every regime. They, they just like put their head down and they just go forward with their work. And it's like, no, no, you gotta see, you should sit down and iron it out and, and figure it out and say, Hey, we either work together. Or we can't not just like put your head down and go about your business. And it's just being super awkward knowing you hate each other's guts it, it, and never talk, trying to talk it out like in full. Like he's yeah, I just—he's the head coach. They've had plenty of your conversations. It doesn't make sense that they I just uh, that they didn't have that talk. Yeah, I, I just—I've seen a lot. Yeah, but you know the—I
3: I don't want to buy too much into this article, but it does say like he wink really never had an explanation for it. And you know the Xavier McKinney situation that you brought up. Now this didn't get as much attention because everyone was mad at McKinney, and and rightfully so. What McKinney you know did after that game, saying you know ah oh, that we're not being leaded, you know not, you know, where the coaches aren't listening to the leaders and, you know, they did talk with McKinney and he, his answer was pretty dumb, but I mean, wink, instead of maybe just address, like, you know, the two different styles, wink can address it, but wink spent basically eight minutes straight making Xavier McKinney looking like a fool, right? Which I think McKinney was a fool in that situation. And and there was a, a pattern building with McKinney pointing the finger at others. Um, um, don't you think like there was just a lot of self-serving stuff from Wink Martindale and then you hear that, you know, he possibly want like didn't want to work next year and wanted to kind of get fired, collect the three million dollars and then maybe come back a year later or just flat out retire. It's just there's just a pattern of like a lot of self-serving behavior from Wink Martindale when, hey, I understand having beef and stuff. But at the end of the day, you did sign up to work under this head coach and. I'm not going to blame him if, like, hey, they disagreed on a defensive game plan, and Wink stuck to his guns. This is my game plan. But all the other stuff in between, it just felt like there was no effort from Wink Martindale to keep everybody
1: together. Yeah. Well, I I don't know about keeping everyone together. I I I think there was no effort for him to want to try and return. Like it was past the point of no return for him, and that's why probably the report got got out the way it did at that point. Like it was was past the point where he. Ever wanted to return? I mean, from what I've been told and when I heard, it was like he really didn't believe in the program that they had built and Dable and Joe Shane and everything that they were doing. You know, everything from analytics to uh, game planning to uh, the 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 training. You know, the the way the way they went about uh, practicing everything, probably from like top to bottom. And if you don't believe in that, and he's sixty, going to be sixty one years old. Like, you want to leave, right? He wants to get out and be with a team he thought he could win, and he didn't see that being part of the future here. He didn't see how this organization was going to turn around in the next year or two. And so for that, he said, uh, you know, I'm going to be gone after this season. So, yeah, there wasn't an effort. I, I, I do agree with you. And there was a lot of egos, but uh, – and, and that's where – and, and there's a lot of self-serving stuff. The thing is, the head coach is the one that needs to keep that together. And now it's not just Wink was unhappy like i've spoken to other coaches you know and people on both sides of the ball over the past you know few months and like they kind of have the same impression too and it's like that's not that's not a good thing that you you gotta fix that going forward and this was kind of the knock on dable beforehand i know people keep bringing up wink in baltimore well think about how it ended for brian dable in uh buffalo right he was. He, remember the the text message that's in the 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 Brian Flores stuff from Tim McDonald <laughs> that Dable's unhappy with Sean McDermott. Heard things are like rocky with Sean McDermott. Whatever on the way oh. out, so relationships weren't good there. That was always the knock on him for getting a head coaching job. He's a little rough around the edges, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing here. Like, oh, that kind of makes sense. That's kind of what we're seeing here, and I think it's up to him. He has an opportunity to to correct this. And make it right. The same at the same point, he might be losing three coordinators in the same offseason, which is like you basically have to rebuild your whole staff and start over. That's my biggest problem with this whole thing: is that from a Giants perspective, it's not good for the team, for the program, that you now have to restart start over on offense in year three.
3: I agree. I just feel like Wink has more blame in the Dable versus Wink thing. Right now, there can be the Dable issues that bleed into Kafgar or, or who other coaches, but and and. You know, before I think I hate to pat myself on the back, but, I, I you know, I I talked about it on our on our Talking Giants show on Tuesday where or, you know, I felt like the whole narrative was just anti Dable. Like Dable screwed this up. Dable screwed this up. But I think there was a lot of issues by Wink Martindale across along the way. And then he felt like he was just going to get fired, collect his three million dollars, either take the year off or go wherever he wants.
1: And I didn't did I didn't blo- ever see him say he wanted to get fired, though. So I don't think he cared about that. He knows. I mean, he's we've heard that. Elsewhere. But he knew he would just wanted to leave. He never said he wanted that. that he cared about getting fired. He's going to get that money whether he gets it from the Giants or somebody else. You, but, he did, probably, but he did. But he did want to get fired though, though. We, anyway.
3: Right, but he did want to get fired. Why? You didn't hear what? any of that. You don't. You didn't hear that he wanted to be fired.
1: No, I didn't. I heard. I heard the whole time he pretty much wanted to leave. I never. I, the, yeah, get fired like, so he can kind of have his cake and eat it too. Like I, I, I hate to do. What this. do you like, mean, ju- can, just
3: what, so what Justin?
1: Benefit, what benefit do you get from getting fired compared to just agreeing to leave, like he did? Well, if he doesn't work this year, he gets his three million dollars. But he's gonna work. He wants That's to not, work. I don't.
3: I, he wants to work. I hate to do the sourcing on your he, podcast, he but there's a couple people who told us that he he would he would have been
1: fine taking this year off. Maybe. But I mean, he did say that once publicly uh, about taking his golf clubs. I believe he said something like that. But what Wick Mark is going to get a job. I'm telling you, I, I like 95%. He's going to get a job. And wait, he's going to be getting paid. He's going to be on a new team. He's going to feel better about it. And he's, you know, he, and who knows how long it lasts and if it goes well, but he's going to have another job he, The he Giants got their $3 million. I don't even think that was a haggling point. He was just, I, this is my opinion. I haven't spoken to anyone directly about this. They just made, they just did the Drew, first of all, they did the Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins hiring. they they were just shrapnel in this whole thing. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, th- you know, we could, we could sit here and say what we want about the way they did it, you know, uh, they performed at their jobs, but they, they were fired because they're close to Wink Martindale. And, and that, that's, that is the reason that they were fired. And I know people have sort of slandered Drew Wilkins my experiences with him, the dude is one of the nicest people I've ever encountered in this business. Thank no, you. I don't believe the,
3: the giant insider report about them being the ego, the size of the Atlantic. Now wink does, and that he could be, you know, some runoff from that and being, uh, you know, linked yes, with Wink. I think wink. he's just
1: kind of grouped in with Wink because he's Wink's guy. Yeah. so I, I, don't bet.
3: Now I look at the outside linebacker group and look at their, you know, every single player in that position group, having a dip in overall down the down production. I know Wink or Kayvon got the sacks this year, but those were kind of.
1: Never, we've never heard anyone complain about Drew Wilkins, right? I have. I'm just talking we've about, about the production. Never heard anybody complain. We all we have heard about is them rave about Kayvon and his his uh, his growth and and his play. Like I never hear heard anyone in, inside the organization complain about it. Now all of a sudden Drew Wilkins is doing a terrible job. It's just hard for me to look. That was that was to get Wink to react, and he kind of walked into the booby trap. And he did exactly what they wanted. And they kind of pushed him out. It kind of pushed him out the door.
3: I agree. But you can look at his position group and look at and like, okay, that's a justified fire. I mean, they had the worst outside linebacker I pass rush it. win I rate don't, I don't in the NFL by like that's, a wide that's margin. That's not why it happened. I that's agree. But at the same that's not why
1: that happened. Because okay. the other, think about it, his brother is literally uh, the assistant inside linebackers coach. The assistant inside linebackers coach became a casualty all of a sudden. That's actually was one of their better positions uh, and maybe their best position overall this year inside.
3: Well, you can't fire a guy and keep his brother. Um,
1: Yeah, but that's uh, what I'm saying. They were just they were just strapping all in on the two of them. Right. So. So. All right. Yeah. Where where are we where are we at now? Now, exactly. Where where are we are now? Are you happy the way the way it ended?
3: No, no, absolutely. I mean, I I wanted Wink Martindale I wanted them to work it out and Wink Martindale to stay. Even though once Jay Glaze reported that, we all knew that it was ending that way. We just kind of, from the Giants fan perspective, you hoped it could figure out because I I do think Wink Martindale is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think his defense was as great as people made it out to be. And with the, you know, the excuse this year was just, well, the offense was bad. Well, there's horrible offenses in the NFL that their defenses perform better than the Giants. You know, you can even look at Patrick Graham. He had the 31st, Ranked offense two years in a row was ranked ninth and twenty third both years higher than than Wink watching
1: their defense though tell me you disagree with this the numbers are a little deceiving because when they were bad a little deceiving bad. when they were bad they were bad but when they were good they were good and but when it was bad it just went awful so the the, the yard well I think numbers, their issue was the yardage numbers are are, are very high and the, the games that they lost when they just got blown off the field I think their issues Dallas, were talent so, uh, Dallas the first time second time. You think it's talent?
3: Yeah, I, I like when people say, "Well, it's the offense that is the." I think it's they needed more talent to be up than the defense. Like I think that's what kept them from having a good, being good on paper and not just looking good on the eye test. Because, I mean, you've seen Wink Martindale have top three defenses three years in a row with the the, the Ravens. Probably a little uh, bit of everything, now. So, so no,
1: it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Wait, it's probably a little bit of everything in, in regards to the offense, uh, the talent, and them not playing well at times because. And they they just there were there were games that they did they played they played poorly. There's really no way around it. So, uh but the bottom line is they were the best unit. Now the best unit is without, you know, is going to basically have to start over in some way, shape, or form. Even if they keep Andre Patterson or uh, Jerome Henderson, and make is Jerome Henderson going to stay? Because
3: I've uh, maybe yeah. he might not be want to be there either.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, let's just say they give it to them. That's not even a guarantee that they would run that system. You know, like they've been in a bunch of systems. Who says that's the system that they would even want to run? So, where would you, what do you want them? What would you, what would you want at the defense? I haven't really even dove into
3: defensive coordinators that they look. I, I, here's what I don't want I don't want, you know, how the Vic Fangio, too high defenses, right? And this be kind of came a thing where, oh, ah, yeah, play too high and play soft. Now, those defenses work great when you have great defensive coordinators working them and you have the right talent up front to be able to do that. But I don't want someone who just lives by that and they like a 96% zone. That's what I really liked about Wink Martindale, though. He he does play more man than basically anyone not named Brian Flores in the NFL. Like you can't play man for 95% of the game. So you're always going to have a diverse game plan on a week to week basis. And you're going to throw a lot of change ups where other coach where like, you know, Patrick Graham, who I really, really liked. His game plan wasn't diverse. What they did is they threw in like five or six tendency breakers a game, and that's where they would get their turnovers. And that's why the Graham defense had so much success was the interceptions. So just someone who is who's is genuinely willing to work different game plans on a week-to-week basis, which Graham did a little bit. He changed a lot from year one to year two. Uh, so that's well, what I'm I looking thought, for.
1: I thought they did a lot. He was they were very diverse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wink, but I'm wink, saying wink, with wink's kind of stuck to his system and I'm gonna to stick to it no matter what. Was,
3: yeah, we're but Graham kind of wanted the to British play is. some man coverage and blitz and he wasn't ever really committed to it. Like that Broncos game, they tried to do some five man rushes and they just couldn't cover or get, they they had no pass rush really.
1: You're still sold completely on Brian Dable as a head coach though.
3: No, absolutely not. Right? Like, there's issues here. Like you said, they just, you know, they just had to okay. get rid of a defensive coordinator I heard for from non-football you, you were reasons. Say yes. No, but I mean, I still, I, I think at the end of the day, being a good offensive play caller gives you a higher bar than other coaches, right? Like where Joe Judge didn't have that bar, like. You know, think about some of the stuff they were able to do with Tommy DeVito, who I think is honestly a horrible quarterback. Tyrod Taylor played some of his best ball of his career. Like, did you know, and Dable pointed it out in that last press conference, like that uh, Rams game was only his second 300-yard game of his career. And then he had 297 yards versus the Eagles. So I think once he, if he's able to get the quarterback that he wants this offseason, I think you'll see this offense become more explosive. I mean, Tyrod Taylor threw the ball 20 plus yards at a higher rate than any Giants quarterback since Eli in 2011. Um, You know, and that's, and that's Tyrod Taylor. Who's honestly been a more conservative, like he's been a conservative, very conservative quarterback for his career, right? Like Tyrod Taylor's always been a low average depth of target. Take care of the ball quarterback with Dable. They really try to get explosives, and that's without a very good offense. That's what. That's with a bad offensive line, a bad run game, and really no tr- no true wide receiver one either. So, uh, I think it, Brian Dable's offensive prowess gives him a higher floor to survive, oh. even if there's some issues.
1: So, what would you do a quarterback then? Um, say get get him his quarterback. Does that mean draft one in six trade up? It, it depends if they, if you know, Kirk Cousins. Like I don't know, I made up a random name.
3: No, you can't myself. do Kirk Cousins because of the they DJ. Can't do
1: that example. If
3: guns. if the quarterback that they not just a quarterback they think they can get the most out of a quarterback who they're like, man, we would have taken this guy at three. Is there at six? Whether like if Jaden Daniels, uh do that trading up. I don't know. I hate the idea of trading up. I really do. I hate giving away those tra- uh, those those draft assets, but hey, if they view the guy they're trading up for as the guy who, you know, they're like, this is the guy we want to coach for the next 15 years and he's going to win MVPs, then do it. But if not, don't just do it for the sake of doing it.
1: Let's end on this then. What are you looking forward to this offseason, this team?
3: I mean, the Senior Bowl. I'm really excited to get down there and watch those guys. That's just my favorite trip of the year. Um. I I don't know. I'm interested to see this defensive coordinator and and the new coaches that he brings in. Like that's that to me, that's priority number one for them. Um, And we really have no inkling on what. I don't. Does Leslie Frazier want to come be the defensive coordinator of Brian Dable year three? I don't. I don't think that's really really where he wants to go. But we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously not his preference. I mean, Leslie Frazier tried to take the year off with the hope of coming back and getting a head coaching job. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think he what he has? He has an interview with the Chargers, I believe.
3: Let me let me finish off with this.
1: Yeah, go ahead. You
3: clearly don't like Brian Dable. Do you think he will get a year four? Uh or at least the people you talk to don't like. No, him. you.
1: Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that about that. I don't like him. I, I actually think he's a pretty good coach. Uh I think he's done some things where he's he's got to make some changes. That's that's my thing with Brian Dable. Just talking to other people who deal with him on a regular basis. Uh, but I do because I think my gut tells me that they're going to draft a quarterback, and, and that's the best thing they could do to give themselves more time because you John think they trade up? not going to want to get a quarterback, have him groomed in the system and then switch coordinators and coaches in one in the first year after one year. After do you think with Daniel Jones,
3: do you think internal pressure of, hey, you got your quarterback when you gave him one hundred and sixty freaking million dollars? Will be enough for them to stick with Daniel Jones and just be like hey we've we picked at six there was the quarterback that we wanted wasn't there we put
1: Malik neighbors i i i don't think it's the internal pressure they they decided you can win games and yeah and Daniel Jones was a quality quarterback that's an evaluation that this regime made like we can't not put that on them we can't just like absolve them from that like that that is reality, so I do think that they would be fine going forward if like you said, the quarterback just isn't sitting there, or there—it's not within their reach.
3: Basically, my question is: Are you think this? They're willing that every there will be all systems go to do a trade up if Joe Shane wants that, and mm-hmm. do you think that will be shoot away like a lot of pressure to not do it? Do, do you think? Do you think I everyone that matters system, is on board with doing build, that?
1: You can't fully. I do because I, I think you could convince people you can't fully build your organization around a quarterback with Daniel Jones's injury history right now. And feel good about it. Right? How could you build your organization around a guy with two neck injuries and he's coming off a torn ACL? That's even before we get to the actual quarterback side evaluation. So I do think I think you could sell that to everybody. Say, look, we have to do this. We want to be good long term. We need a quarterback that we could build around. We can't afford to build around a quarterback with the risks that Daniel Jones comes with at this point. So I do. I think I think that's a possibility. We're running out of time here, though, Bobby. I appreciate you turning around the interview and basically making an interview of me instead of me interviewing you, though.
3: Yeah, it's like stepbrothers. Like, how much do you make? How much do you make before taxes?
1: <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. Um, talking Giants, you can go catch Bobby. Uh, how often do you guys do a podcast?
3: In the you know offseason, season it's schedule. In the off season, it's usually Tuesday and Friday. Right now, with coordinator news and stuff, we'll be a little more play by ear. Um, but we uh, so we'll, we'll we will use it. It usually evens out at Tuesday, at Friday, and the office. At least
1: two days a week. Talking Giants available on all podcast platforms, YouTube as well. Uh, Bobby, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. It was a, it was a fun little debate there, no
3: doubt. And you are are you are currently in the leader for the Tony Award because you got the wing contract details. You got the Thomas McGahey firing, oh, and this, then I,
1: I didn't know if the wing contract details counted. No,
3: yeah, that, that absolutely counts. Now it's not like the biggest breaking news of the offseason. And then you fall into the talking giants. Love sets good info on the pod, uh, having me on your pod. By the way, I broke the news that they uh the, the Falcons uh denied the request of the O line coach. So that could give you some more points we'll if you quote tweet me. There you go. Absolutely.
1: I will. We will do that. I appreciate your time, Bobby. On to the next one. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, thanks to Bobby Skinner right there. We're going to close here with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. First, a little program note. I'll get to a Giants after dark. I know a bunch of you have sent me questions. via mostly via Instagram DM. I have them saved. I'll go through them either, I guess, early next week. We'll do a Giants after dark, keep you updated on everything that's going on with the new defensive coordinator search, some of the new position coach searches, anything else that's going on with this organization. In the meantime, it's a little quick Jordan on the beat. Okay, so the firings go down Monday morning, like I said. Thomas McGahee first and then um, Bobby Johnson as well. You know, both of them, I don't know the actual order, but they go to that happens early Monday morning. First thing Monday morning. And so the reason that I broke the Thomas McGahee story is I got there early. I'm pulling into the facility, and I see McGahee walk into his car. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe he's going out to get donuts, coffee, whatever. And then I'm thinking, you know, yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably just got fired. But you never know. See him actually drive out. Actually drove right back in. Saw somebody that he wanted to say hi to. Gave him a hug. Gave him goodbye. You could tell this wasn't. He went and gave somebody, who was a longtime member of the organization, a hug. And I'm like, okay, at this point, all right, he definitely fired. At that point, I start making calls, asking around, see if that's what went down. Eventually, I have somebody on good authority tells me, yeah, he was fired. So I go, I report it, I break that story. So sometimes, like I said, and I tell people this all the time, this is actually the number one thing when they ask me like, you know, about my job and how to be good at things, being around and being there, right? If I had showed up, I was probably like 45 minutes early for the press conference. If I had showed up, you know, one minute before the press conference, I would have never seen that. Being around, be just being there is the number one prerequisite to be half-decent as a reporter. If you're there, things will fall into your lap. And so all I did was use my eyes and watch what was going on around me. I literally was walking in the building and saw the coach leave. Like that gave me a hint, obviously, that he was fired. And so I'm hugging people. Like that's confirmation, essentially that he was fired. I still wanted to bring it to somebody else's to make sure that I was interpreting this correctly. And when I did, it took me probably like 15, 20 minutes. There you go. That's how I had a story. So number one rule to being a good reporter, be there. Always be there. Be there as much as humanly possible. And you'll be better at your job. I tell people that all the time. That's like my basic to when I have to go talk to uh, high school kids, college kids, People who are younger are trying to be successful, it seems like the most simple thing, right? All you have to do is work hard and be there, right? You would think, oh, that's easy. Everybody does that. No, you'd be surprised. Not everybody does that. Working hard gives you a distinct advantage in this business because not everybody works hard. Actually, there's a lot of people that don't work hard, that take freebies. And the only thing they get is when somebody just basically hands it to them, you know? So, quick little lesson, a little, little insight onto how I broke the Thomas McGee getting fired story. Uh, aside from that, we have a lot going on with this team. So stay tuned to Breaking Big Blue. There'll be plenty more coming. I'll try to actually increase the frequencies now that we're back in the offseason. I'm going to work on my office, try to get back into doing. Um, by, by working on my office, I mean, the sound in my office is bad right now. So I, I have trouble taping stuff in there because it sounds too like, it sounds like I'm in like a gigantic gymnasium. So if I could get this right this offseason, I could do more in there. I could do more video. I could add more YouTube. I could add the podcast to you, my YouTube channel. I could add some more YouTube videos. So I just have to get the office settled. If anyone has some suggestions, I'll take them. With that, that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. The bye-bye wink episode is in the books. Giants now are looking for a new defensive coordinator. That's going to be a very big hire here for Brian Dable as he moves into year three. It's actually Brian Dable and Joe Shane. They go hand in hand. They're so close. I mean, everything, when I say that, it's a Brian Dable, Joe Shane. That's it. We'll see Their success is going to be largely contingent on this hire that they make. So stay tuned. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. See you next time.